this is Tony Speaks and my lovely wife, Kim. We are the founders and co-creators of the lifestyle brand and podcast, Becoming Disciplined. Every week we meet, learn from, and share best practices with highly disciplined men and women from a variety of fields and endeavors. I've learned that the seasons are different and it's okay. It's okay that you have to pivot and right now this is your focus. Um, This week on Becoming Disciplined, we interview Amanda Nelson. For 17 years, she worshipped a drug and alcohol addiction and blamed her problems on everyone else. Some called her worthless and she lost the trust of all her family and friends. One day though, Amanda woke up and decided that she had to make a change and to get her life back. She had no idea the challenges she would face on her journey to sobriety. Amanda believes that during those trials, she learned some necessary life lessons. Now she lives a joyful, vibrant life and she wants to show everyone the baby steps she took along the way to get where she is today. Today on Becoming Disciplined, we interview Amanda Nelson. Amanda, welcome to Becoming Disciplined. Oh my goodness, Tony, thank you. It is such an honor to be here. Well, I thank you for coming on and I thank you for working with us. Now, for our listeners, I don't invite anyone on this show who is not disciplined in at least one of the following areas, spirituality, mental, physical, emotional intelligence, financial, calendar, home organization, data organization. And while I don't know Amanda personally, I have followed her online and I've followed her story for years. And there is a very specific reason why I wanted to invite Amanda on the show. But this podcast has taught me that I might invite someone on the show for one reason, but then something, you know, there's some other facet of their life comes out that I didn't even know about. So, so I want you, the audience, to discover why I invited her on. And, uh, and I'm telling you, she's a, she's, she is an incredible person to listen to. But before we talk about the specific issue of discipline and the specific reason why I was thinking why I brought you on, Let's talk about context, because we know context is everything. I know you're either a newly graduated college student or you're still a college student. And, you know, to understand the the full thesis, you've got to understand the context. So, Amanda, can you tell me about where you grew up and can you tell me about your childhood? Yeah, man, I grew up in South Mississippi. Oh, wow. You, You know, you heard of Brett Favre. Yes. His, where he played uh, college ball at Hattiesburg. Okay. Southern Mississippi, USM. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I grew up there my whole life. Uh-huh. Uh, my parents divorced when I was four, like three or four, somewhere around there. And while I didn't think that that was so true, it's when you think of divorce, like it's not this big traumatic like, I, I didn't get sexually abused. It wasn't anything like that. But for me, because I desire and require such strong connection relationships, mm-hmm. it was tragedy for me. It was mm-hmm. traumatic. Um, so I, I flip-flopped back and forth from parents' house every other weekend, you know. And then when I was 16 years old, at prom, I discovered alcohol. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want me to go there just yet, but just painting the picture. Right. It was pretty normal, except going back and forth to my dad's house, my right. mom and dad's house. Okay, okay. And no, well, if you if you want to talk about that progression, because that's part of your, your context, if you want to talk about that addiction, I think that's going to be helpful for our audience. All right, well, let's go there. So when I was 16 years old, because I, I require, I'm, I'm a sensitive creature. Mm-hmm. I require, like, me and nature are one. Like, I have deep connections. I don't like surface stuff, okay? So I don't like just, uh, hey, how's your day? What's up? Like, let's, let's really, da- like, who are you? Where are you about? You know, deep, deep stuff. And I didn't get that growing up and I didn't realize that's what I required. So when I was 
at prom and everybody was drinking. I wasn't peer pressured, but I took a drink anyway. And I felt like I found the love of my life. Like I just had this warm feeling all like the body tingles, the like, oh my gosh, I love you so, so much. And that first drink led me to four arrests, including a felony charge. I spent time in jail, spent time in rehab, became a meth head, ended up losing. Um, I had a daughter at 19. I raised her by myself. She didn't want to live with me. I got evicted from my house. My, it sounds like a country song, like straight from Mississippi. <laughs> you know, those old time country songs where they're just like, you know, my dog died. My girlfriend left me like that was my life for real, right. for real, for real. My daughter didn't want to live with me. I totaled my car. I lost my job, got evicted. And really, my dog did die mm. all in a matter of a short time. And I, I was so just completely lost. Mm. And um, I finally just got the courage to my meth dealer, my friend that I got my meth from. He's the one that helped me change my life because he spoke life into me. But we'll get to that. Mm. So that's kind of an overview. Now, lots happened in between there, but that's an overview. I spent 17 years in drug and alcohol addiction. Mm. And, um, yeah, now, it was hard. What was, uh, what was mom and dad during, do, doing during all of that? Where, you know, what was their reaction and what was family's reaction to all of that as you declined into that? Well, at first, I think they chalked it up to she's just a teenager because I got arrested twice my senior year of high school. Um, I almost didn't graduate. My parents had to go to the principal and beg them. Like, they're like, you want to get this girl out of your school, okay? You don't want her to be here another year. Um, at first, I think they chalked it up to just teenage behavior. And then as it progressed, um, I don't think people really knew how bad it got until all of a sudden I just, every, everything's destroyed. Mm. Um, I pushed them away and I didn't really care what they had to say. Um, one thing I did, the difference in um, when people don't understand addiction, it's more like you need to change. You need to, you know better. You, you were raised better than that wasn't ill intentions. However, when you're on the other side, like me, that's not what I needed to hear. That just made me go deeper into it. Like, yeah, you're right. I do know better, right? but I don't feel like I have a reason to stop what I'm doing. Right. Right. Now I want to backtrack to something else. You were, you were talking about the divorce and I just want to give my little take on something because I, you know, I believe uh, in providence. I believe that God has conversations that go off for a reason. And um, I just was talking to a friend of mine who was going to therapy. And my point that I made to him and I've, you know, through my life experiences, because my parents went through a divorce and they actually made up and got back together. And it took them wow. 28 years to learn how to love one another. Like they learned, they learned how to love one another in their old age. And, um, but it still was traumatic for me seeing them fighting and going at it and, you know, divorce and being kicked out of the house with, with one of them and, you know, having to go stay at hotels because one of them put an order on the other one and all this other stuff. And what I, the point I was making to my friend thinking therapy is when you're a kid, you may know and you may hear about God in church, but for all intents and purposes, your parents are God. Mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. eventually you discover they're not perfect. You see what I'm yeah. saying? You can, eventually you discover their flaws and you discover that they're not God. And I think it's a collective trauma that we have when you're a baby and you think mommy and, you know, like when you're a little kid, you think daddy can beat up everybody, you know? Right. Uh, you know, so uh, when, 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 when you're a baby, you think mama is just the most perfect person in the world. Like mama knows everything. And then eventually you discover how flawed they are. And I think it's a trauma we, you know, it, it may happen at different levels, but it's a trauma that we go through when we're like, wow, you know, these people, 
that raised me that I trusted in were not the perfect people that I thought they were, you know, but I mean, at least that's my testimony. That's, you know, that's just something that, that it, 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 it was a theme that I've been dealing with with people lately that it can be a, it can be a tough thing. And, and, and for some people they're like, ah, divorce, no big deal. But other people, you got to realize, man, at least for me, I felt like the world was coming undone. You know, I felt the world was coming undone. So in the midst of all of this, who was the first person in your life who you had, who, who gave you a level of discipline in your life that gave you hope? Who was that person? Mm. Well, different stages of mm. that. Um, just like with everything else, I think there's levels to hope. Um, I, the first thing that I can think of, like, um, was when my friend, my dear friend, he just passed away last year, actually. Um, he, he, he's the one I got my meth from, but he's the one that him and I had so deep conversations. Like we would get high on meth and read the Bible and talk about the Bible. And we got fixated. I don't know if you know anything about meth, but it's like, you, you get high and you get obsessed with stuff. Like you just stay on it for hours and hours and you like, you get stuck almost. It, it's, um, I can't really describe it any other way, but like an obsession. So we, we started talking about how God says we're the chosen one and something just sparked inside me. Like God chose me. Like, really? And he just kept saying, yes, and you were born to do great things. Mm. And though I'm sure along the way, people did try to offer me hope. And I'm sure that I took to it. But that's the greatest impact of hope that I recall. And then so he's the one that helped me start on my sober journey. Although I didn't set out to get sober. I just set out to live a better life and it just resulted in getting sober. Mm. And then I'd have to say directly following him would be Eric Thomas, mm. um, his YouTube videos. That's so awesome. those two men had tremendous impact on my life. Mm, mm, mm. Now um, I want to kind of fast forward because uh, I was going to ask this a little, um, a little later, but I think it's the right time to ask this question. Um, so let's pretend the Amanda. So when did you get sober? What year? 2015. Almost 2015. six. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm five and a half months. So I mean, five and a half years sober. I'm going to get it right and say it right. I don't even know what I am. <laughs> Stop awesome. counting. That is awesome. So August 10th, 2015. That's awesome. So the so let's play let's play a little game here. Amanda from two thousand and and fourteen is listening to this podcast, and they're listening. She's listening to you. What advice do you give her to help her on her journey to getting clean? Oh, speak life. That's always my first advice. Mm. You are worthy. You have a specific purpose in this world. Let me help connect you to the things that you love. Like you don't even know what you love anymore, but I want to help you connect to those things because this is how you're going to work yourself out. When you um, replace something, you have to, when you take away something, you have to replace it with something else. Mm -hmm. So if you're taking away a substance, you have to take, put in something that's going to give you that same feeling, but healthier. So man, I would just, you were born to do great things. Amen. Amen. Speak life. And yeah. Speak life to yourself. Amen. Speak yeah. life to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you about a side issue, and this is going to be a little off the rails, but I'll, I'm thinking about where, where, where else can I slide this in? But it's about the issue of discipline, and, and it's something I ask to all the people that I interview, is that some people uh, believe that poor sleep habits can lead to addictions and other cognitive issues. What do you think about that? And then my my follow-up question to that is, are you a good sleeper now? And if you are, when and where did you develop those sleep habits? Mm, that's good. I've never heard that sleep correlates with addiction. Mm -hmm. But 
I could see where, okay, for example, if you're not a good sleeper and you have to work, obviously we all have to work. So you wake up the next day, you don't have any energy. Perhaps you'll guzzle down a bunch of Coca-Colas. You may sniff some Coke up your nose. Right. I mean, the addictions, they range. Mm -hmm. You got caffeine addiction, you got food addiction, you got drug addiction, you got alcohol addiction. Like it's a whole, a whole wide range of substances. Uh, so yeah, I could see where that correlates for sure. And then to follow that up, like I sleep good as long as I don't have drugs in me. Like <laughs> you, know you, you smoke some meth or you snort some meth, you are going to be up for days. Despite <laughs> how tired your body feels, you cannot sleep. So yeah, I I truly don't have any problems sleeping. And because I have to um I don't love working out, but I have to work out to stay sober. I realize that's part of my sobriety. So especially if I'm working out hard, like, oh, yeah, it's a wrap. I don't have any problem sleeping. Mm, mm, mm. Well, just to share that with you, I've been 150 days off of my food addiction. So I've been. Oh, let's eating, go. Yeah, I've been eating uh, just within a four hour window and been behaving myself for 150 days. So you so got the only thing I'll say, Amanda, is my drug is everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, like right. you know, like I don't even have to go to a corner or I don't have to go to a particular part in the hood to get my drug. My drug is everywhere. So, you know, I ain't trying to make no excuses, but sometimes it's hard because my drug can, it, my drug of choice is just in every store. It's in every 7-Eleven. It's, it's, it's everywhere, you know? So, so that's my challenge. But uh, so far I've been 150 days doing good, but that's awesome. Yeah, to coincide with what you said, um, yeah, I got that from a guy named uh, uh, Andrew Huberman, and he's like a neuroscientist. And his his thing was when you stay up between the hours of 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. and you're exposed to any kind of bright lights, mm -hmm. uh, that takes away from your willpower during the rest of the day, because mm. you know it kind of you know your ability to fight the good fight and you know stay focused and all of that gets de depleted when you are staying up to all hours of the night that but that i mean that's just one one guy and he quoted you know he quoted i think one or two studies when he was uh speaking on that on one of those podcasts so i was just curious i was just curious your thoughts on that, that now coming out of that i'm sorry go ahead go ahead i was just saying that sounds interesting you don't have to share uh his book or whatever you were reading or how you found him that that's, I'd like to learn, learn more. Yeah, yeah. Now, coming out of all of this, what was your college experience like? Okay, well, I, right after high school, decided college was not for me because I just wanted to do my own thing. I didn't really love school. I, I used to, but then when I started drinking and drugging, like, I, I just lost interest in it. So. I didn't start college until I was 35 years old and nobody told me how hard it was going to be. Actually, I'm kind of glad that they didn't tell me it was going to be super hard working full time or raising a kid by yourself and you trying to go to school. Um, so, yeah, I just got my AA at Penn State um, last year. I'm on my way to my bachelor class of 2022. That's right. Go ahead now. Congratulations. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Now, so, what yeah, are you major in? Human development and family studies. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have quite, because me and my brother, we used to be at the same parties doing the same exact thing. I ran my life into the ground, and somehow he managed to be a normal contributing member of society. And I just have questions. Like, we're from the same people, the same environment. Yeah, we had two different experiences. So I am actually learning so, so much at Penn State about why I am the way I am. Sure, sure. Now, uh, was there any of that in your in your DNA? Was there anything like were there any addicts that you were aware of, like grandfathers, grandmothers, fathers, mothers, anyone like that that, that had the same issue? Not really i i heard 
part of my family so secretive. Mm. I think that's one reason why I just share everything is because I don't, I don't know, like you don't learn with secrets. Right. You know, right. I heard that one of my grandfathers had a spell of drinking and maybe he went to rehab or something like that. But you know what? I'm not, honestly not sure. Not to my mm-hmm. knowledge. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, you have you taken Eric Thomas's uh, uh, personality assessment test? Yup. Okay. So you're a steward too? Are you an airline steward or which one are you? I'm a, I'm a I and a D. Okay. 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 That's yeah, that's a flight attendant, the flight attendant and the pilot. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm the same one. I'm like 60% flight attendant and 40, 40, 30% pilot. So, so, uh, yeah, I'm the same way, you know, love of people and love of, of interacting with people. That's part of the reason why I, I created this podcast. Cause my day job is just death by email, you know, and just stuck behind a computer. And I, I really like to engage with people and talk with people. And, and I get energy even from conversations like this, this is how I live. So, uh, I, I understand you on that. And, uh, I can tell you already, Amanda, you're going to be my wife's favorite uh, interview so far. Oh, you know? thank you. <laughs> I, I I can almost hear her downstairs. She was like, "I love Amanda." You know? So, so now, how did your faith impact your level of discipline as you were going through this? You know, you you you. It was obviously uh, that that faith talk in the beginning. But how did you know faith? Like when I say faith, I mean uh, fellowship and and uh, church environments and those kind of things. What what impact did they have on that? Oh, it was everything, man. I, I'm a member of ET's church, a place of change ministry, and they just embraced me. I have I learned God in a new way. I grew up in church. My dad was a minister of music. Um, however, I didn't know relationship. I didn't know um, just God loves you. Like, he just loves you. You know, um, I didn't know that he wanted us to prosper so that we could uh, build up his kingdom. Like the faith is everything. Amen. Faith is everything to me. Um, and it is something that I spend a lot of time growing myself in. Amen. Amen. Now, when when on your process of coming clean, was it just church and uh, or did you, is there, a, is there a not-for-profit or is there like a structured program that you would recommend as well? Uh, well, when I first got sober, I was like, I don't want no part of church. Um, I don't like them. I got super judged mm. um, in church. Uh, I, I was like steering clear. But the moment personal development E.T., the Les Brown, um, other ones, that is, they're teaching the Bible. And when I figured that out, it just blew my mind. I got it that way. Amen. Amen. There's some, uh, wait, I can open the Bible. I can't quote you verses. I can't tell you where a verse is. And quite honestly, half the time, um, I don't even know what that verse says, right. you know? But I can get the personal development. You break it down to me like ABC one two three. I got you. Um, Amen. This time I did not do any kind of rehab. I did it on my own. I built my own program through listening to personal development. Um, oh, wow. I have my, I have a strong belief that um, we we need to lay a firm foundation first like let's learn how to survive first pay bills and just how do you make it through today without Mm. drinking and drugging Mm. take those substances away put it with something else it's a process and um in some certain situations i think they put too much on humans and then they're and they just relapse because the goal is unattainable Now I gotta, I gotta. All right, this wasn't one of my questions I sent you, but I think this is a good one because I've, as I've tried to help people, they've struggled with this. Um, you know, how Eric teaches, or Dr. Thomas teaches. Like I know him, and you know, 
and all that. I should say Dr. Thomas teaches. Amen. <laughs> uh, that, uh, um, you know, you, I listen to so much. I feel like I know him, you know. Uh, you do. He's family. You're good. <laughs> so uh, the, he teaches that you are the accumulation of the five people that you hang out with the most. Uh-huh. And my question is, when you were getting sober, um, how long was it before you felt comfortable being around people who still were drinking and drugging? Like how, like for someone who's trying to get clean, how long do you, you know, is, is there any advice you can give them? Cause a lot of times I'm trying to help people and then they're only clean. I'm not clean. They're only sober for a couple months and then they want to go back and help someone and get someone else sober as well. And then sometimes I'm like, Hey, slow, you know, hold up, you know, give yourself a little, space and time you know get yourself right you know before get strong first before mm-hmm. you start hanging around in that environment so i guess my question to you is i know you're a person who loves it you know people don't have to spend a lot of time around you to know how much you love and care for people that comes across online so my question is uh, for you how long was it before you could be around that environment without it impacting you in a negative way that's good. That that's really good. I I isolated myself for a while. Okay. I okay. When I left Mississippi, um, trying to get a better life for myself, I came down here and attracted the same people. I was doing the same thing. I'm like, how you can't you can't do that. That's mm-hmm. not gonna work. So I I changed my phone number. I, I pretty much, it was me and the YouTube personal development. And that, that might not work for some people, but I was not, I did not put myself around it until I became homeless and I had to get a job at a restaurant to, to get, to pay for a hotel to live. Mm. So I think I was like eight months, nine months sober at that point. Um, I, I think it's just case by case, but like you said, like a couple months sober yet, that is huge. That is a huge, huge deal. But in the big picture, it's only, it's just not that much time. And I, I, I didn't even trust myself. Like I think a firm foundation has to be built. Like you, you just have to know it's, it's more of a knowing about yourself, learning, spend time with yourself. And know what you can handle and what you can't handle. The first time when I worked at this restaurant, they made the servers make their own drinks. Like there wasn't a specific bartender. And so the first time I had to serve a beer, my hand was shaking so, so bad. Not because I desired the drink, but because I was just touching the very thing that destroyed my life. And it took a while. Like I never even got used to it because I wanted to separate myself from it, but I had to do it to make money. Right, right, right. Wow, that's powerful. That is really, really powerful. You know, and I can tell you already, you've kind of changed my life on this podcast because sometimes um, I hesitate in putting out positive content or good content. Because sometimes I think, oh, there's so much of it out there. What are you doing? Why are you putting it out? You know, no one's going to listen. But then to hear your life change by, and it wasn't like some other not-for-profit organization. It wasn't AA. It wasn't any of that. It was through, it was through Dr. Thomas's teachings that got you to this point, you know. Uh, it just encourages me that people don't, you know, stop negative talking yourself, Tony. Get your information out there. Get it out there because you never know who you're going to touch and who you're going to help in order to get them free. You know, and because, uh, you know, you know, sometimes you know, you learn and I get I have, you know, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I've got content that I can I can use to help people. But then sometimes you hold on to it and and you think, oh, who's going to listen? What's the impact it's going to make? I'm going to wait till later. But, you know, when you when you look at Dr. Thomas's uh, faithfulness and putting stuff out every week and then look at what happened to your life, it kind of is a reminder to me that now, nah, Tony, you need to you need to get your stuff out there and, and, and stop uh, holding yourself back. So I appreciate your testimony. 
Um, and, and, and I think he might even create a big change in me. Um, so at Becoming Discipline, we examine discipline and organization in the following areas, spirituality, mental, physical, emotional, finance, calendar, home, data. My question is, can you tell us which of these do you consider your strongest points? I think probably spirituality and um, probably physical and not, I'm not saying that I'm strong or fast or any of that, but because I have to do it consistently, Amen. you know, um, those, those are definitely spirituality for me is everything. I, even if it's like, like if I see a feather on the ground, I'm like, Oh, thank you. Angels. You're watching out for me. You know, Amen. it's just everything to me. Amen. Um, yeah, and, and like I said earlier, the physical boy, um, I, I don't love working out. I don't work out to look a certain way. I'm not after gaining muscles. I strictly only, and if I didn't have to, I probably wouldn't do it, but I only do it to keep me sober. And right. it is a walk every day, like something every single day I have to do. That's awesome. Now, uh, you're making me think about another question. Uh, uh, you said you had to add things. So when you took away the alcohol and you took away the meth, you had to add certain things in order to get clean. Uh, not clean, sober. I like to listen to what you, uh, the, I want to use the exact terms that you used. All right. So uh, uh, my question is, other than working out, were there any other blisses that you added to your life? Is there any other uh, you know, great things that you added to your life to, 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 to help get away from those negative things? Yes. Um, so I have to work my mind, my body, my soul every single day. Hmm. Um, whether I have to read a book or listen to a, a great podcast, your show is great. Um, y'all keep listening to his show. <laughs> um, or I give back a lot, like uh, knowing that I made somebody's day brighter, um, put a smile on their face, help them in a specific way, like that just fuels my soul. And I get the, just what I learned uh, in one of my classes at Penn State, the alcohol, and I'm, I'm like, like, it's so amazing. I love my school so much. I'm just, there's so many layers to addiction. Like you have to make sure because the drugs, the alcohol, they create a reward system in your brain and you have to make sure that what you're doing creates that same level of reward system in your brain. So I, mm. I don't like going to the gym. So I'll sign up for things like a marathon or a triathlon, things I have to work towards. It keeps me, focused and working towards a goal so that I'm not just, you know, not doing it. I have to hold myself accountable. So yeah, my mind, body, spirit, soul, every single day. And there's so many things that can go into those categories. Gratitude lists, journaling, like it's so it's limitless. You can figure out things to do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, out of all these areas as well, which one do you consider undeveloped? And if you do have an undeveloped area, what plan do you have in 2021 to kind of uh, to bring it up or to address it? Or do you have or, or do you you say, hey, my strengths are strong enough. I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to be steady in that. <laughs> hey, we always got stuff to work on, man. That's Amen. Amen. I would never stop working on myself because the moment I do that. I'll become a meth head again and ain't nobody trying to go down that road. I am. Um, out of your list, I would say that, okay, for me, I, I don't tend to focus on my weaknesses unless I see that it's creating a problem in my life. Hmm. So I'm not saying like, okay, I'm terrible at spreadsheets. Well, you know what? Right now, I don't have a reason to use it like I use them but I don't have a reason to master them so I'm not going to focus on that so I'm going to get with somebody that knows that now relationships for me are huge because like I said earlier I require 
um, a deep connection with people. Um, with meth, it always it also brings a spirit of paranoia. So there's a trust level that I'm still trying to work through. And then also because of um, though my parents did the best that they could, I'm learning at Penn State that I have um, an um, unsecure or insecure attachment to my parents, which results in it, it just follows you into your adult life. Wow. Um, so relationships for me are uh, a big deal. Um, I have worked really hard to build a relationship back up with my daughter, and that was so, so hard. And there's sometimes I'm like, I think something's wrong with me, God, because I don't desire to be in a relationship with a man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have the desire to be married again. Not yet, at least. It scares me. That's one of my fears. But I'm, that So, yeah, I, I've been working on that for five and a half years, and I'm still not there. Well, you know, there is a passage that said uh, it says that uh, celibacy or being a, being able to be by yourself is a gift from God. You know, mm, really? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get you that scripture. I'll get it. I yeah. don't. It's in Corinthians, I believe, but I'll, I'll get it to you. And it basically says that, you know, Paul, he said, I wish that you would be like me, you know, celibate and focused on the mission. But mm-hmm. he said, if you have to marry, because he said some of y'all ain't got the gift. You see what I'm saying? So rather than being out there in the streets, do you know, doing dirt, you know, uh, it's better for you to marry. He said it's better for you to marry than to burn, you know. Mm-hmm. And what he meant is burn, like, you know, burning in your lust, burning, you know, uh, just being out there, you know. Right. Uh, uh, so, so, you know, he said that celibacy is a gift, the ability to focus and and not be, fo- you know, because he said the bottom line is this. When you get married, you know, a lot of your attention is focused on your spouse and it's not mm-hmm. really focused on God or your purpose, you know, and that's that's the way it's designed. You're supposed to give that attention to that other person. But when you're focused, when you are by yourself, you can fo- you can give God his full, your, you know, your full focus and what God has told you to do your full focus. So so, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's uh, it's a ble- you know, it can be a blessing for folks. So I wouldn't necessarily. And I think. Even scientists say that there's, I forgot the study or whatever, but I think scientists said there's a percentage of people out there who they have that gift where they don't need a whole bunch of extra in, you know, they, they can just, they're, they're, they're perfectly fine in, you know, uh, in, in society by themselves. So just, a, just a thought, you know, don't beat yourself up. Hey, over that. Well, listen over here, I, I, my hairs are standing up. Now you teaching me, man. I'll share that I'll share that. I'll share the verse. Now, the only thing, the only thing that surprises me though, is for us airline stewards, we like, we need, we need relationships. You see what I'm saying? So it kind of, it does surprise me for an airline steward to have that, you know, because we're we're people who we thrive, our, we get our energy off of dialogue and conversation, and and. I, you know, some people do their best thinking writing. I do my best thinking when I'm talking, you know, like when I'm talking to my wife, talking to my spouse, talking to, to my friends, you know, that's that, you know, things come out that, uh, that, that I didn't even know were there. So, uh, that does surprise me about being, it does surprise me that an airline steward would have that. Uh, and for those who don't know, uh, Dr. Thomas has a personality test where, uh, he uses there's like you can be an airline steward, a pilot, a baggage control. Um, we call the people that are in air control, mm-hmm. and then there's one more that I've forgotten about. Um, but you can be one of those things, and it kind of helps you kind of understand your personality and you know, kind of like how you're built and how you're designed. And it, you know, it's not an excuse for whatever, but it's just it's an aid or a guide to help you understand yourself and how you interact with others. And I recommend the test. I, matter of fact, I'm going to try to get my whole church to take it eventually. So. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. One thing, I do have relationships. Like I'm connected to a whole bunch of people, but I mean the close intimate ones, mm-hmm. that's where it gets scary for me. 
Amen. So yeah, I'm just an oddball, man. It's all good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just created. I think we all feel like all oddballs. <laughs> I think we. Have. Matter of fact, if you don't feel like an oddball, I, that's probably the real oddballs. You know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Now, now, what book or passage do you recommend within the Bible for people who are seeking discipline, or in in the in from your testimony for people who are seeking sobriety? Uh, well, when I think about discipline, I think about I I can't quote the verses. I already told you that, but it says, uh, "Faith without works is dead," mm. and with my first year of sobriety, because I thought I was actually doing something by not getting in trouble with the law, like the cops wasn't chasing me, I wasn't doing, I wasn't intentionally hurting people. I also quit my job mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, I I thought that somebody, I always say this, but, but I promise it wasn't entitlement, like, I think it's just because like I'm the chosen one and I, and I just thought this way. It, it was kind of ignorance. I think maybe mm-hmm. I really thought that because I was putting myself out there, sharing my story, sharing my journey, that God was going to miraculously drop a whole bunch of money up in my bank account. And that's just not how it works. Like you got to get out there and work and, at a job so that really taught me a huge lesson like you can't just believe it to happen you you gotta have the belief but then you you gotta be grinding too that's awesome that's awesome that's one of my favorite passages as well now what book outside of the especially you and i have something in common that we have we read a lot of personal development and we listen to a, a lot of the same people what book outside of the bible do you recommend that helped you on your path? Uh, the first whole book that I read was, um, what's it called? Um, the Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. Okay. Uh, I cannot remember the author at this particular moment. We'll get um, it in notes. We got you. We got you. But it, 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 I had poverty mindset. Mm-hmm. And not just financially, like my whole my whole being, I had poverty mindset. Um, so that book not only helped me financially um, get a solid foundation, but in other areas of my life too. Like, for example, in the book, he tells you to open up five bank accounts, and I, dude, I didn't have money to open up. Like, I didn't even have five dollars to put in each bank account, so. I was like, well, I'm just going to make my own bank accounts at home. So I went and got some um, red Dixie cups, you know, straight redneck stuff and made my own little bank accounts at home on my dresser. I still got them to this day because it just reminds me of of my foundation. You know, that's awesome. That's awesome. awesome. Now, question. uh, When you're done with school, do you ever plan to move back to Mississippi? No. uh -uh. So the only way I'm going to do that is if God specifically says you're going to move back. And even if I hear him say that, I'm going to question him for a little bit. My heart does not desire to go back. Amen. Amen. I understand that. I I have no intention of going back to Fayetteville, North Carolina either. I know what that's like. Now, ironically, you're my second. Uh, Mississippi girl uh, who's been a guest. We had Joy Carter Minor, who's from Moss Point, Mississippi. So I didn't, I never, is that, is that far from where you were raised? <coughs> Moss Point, I think that may be like an hour, maybe two hours away, I think. Okay, okay, all right, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Now, uh, where can people find you and where can, I, I saw you had written a book. Where can people find you? Where can people get your products? Where can people know about your ministry? Where are you online? And, and, and people who hear this podcast, how can they find out more about Amanda? So I have a website. So my book and my website is called Patch Wings. Like wings, but I, you know, I got to throw that country slang up in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So it's patched like I patched up my tire, P-A-T-C-H-E-D-W-A-N-G-S.com. That's my website, my books on there, my videos. Um, I'll be honest, I have not been consistent with sharing my uh, testimony on my videos because like I said earlier, uh, this work in school grind ain't no joke. Like I had to pull back from building, um, building up my you know, my, my business. So, and I've learned that the seasons are different and it's okay. It's okay Mm -hmm. that you have to pivot. And right now this is your focus. Um, that was hard for me because, because it's, it's preached. I know you just asked a simple question, but it's, uh, ingrained in us to be consistent be consistent be consistent and sometimes for me I got stuck on that like I can't let this go because I have to be consistent with it and it took me a while to to let stuff go like that's that's not where you're supposed to be right now so let it go you're gonna pivot now you're gonna be consistent with this for a few years amen amen now um for people, like you said earlier, addiction can take all kind of different forms. Um, as we close out, what are your closing thoughts for people who they might be addicted to alcohol? They might be addicted to cigarettes. They might be addicted to uh, overeating. You know, uh, they might be addicted to, a, you know, a host of different things. What advice or closing thoughts do you have for them? And before you close out. I just want to thank you, Amanda. I thank you for your generous spirit. I thank you for being willing to come on. I thank you just, you know, just, I even like the way you approached it because um, it shows how well you've been taught because uh, just so y'all know, y'all should do the same thing as well. Uh, Amanda said, let me check out your podcast to make sure our values align, you know? So I think that's important before you just come on the show and, and, and start, uh, you know, start, you know, agreeing to have a conversation with someone. You got to know what people are about. And I really, it shows that you, that you have been trained very, very well. And uh, so I just want to thank for being you. And then as well, um, I kind of sensed it in other interviews that I saw you on and other places, but like I imagine you have a gift that I, that I didn't fully anticipate is that your EQ uh, you're one of the realest people that I've had on here, you know, no, no insult to anybody else, but you're just, you're just a very genuine and authentic person. I thank you for the gift of you. I thank you for who you are. You are the chosen one. Amen. And, uh, and, uh, I just wanted to share that and I wanted to thank you for coming on, but I wanted to leave you with the closing thoughts to anyone who is struggling against, uh, struggling with their sobriety anyone who's struggling with any kind of addiction, can you share with us your wisdom and your closing thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, it, it's been an honor. And uh, any time somebody thinks of me and, and wants me to be a part of what they're doing, like it's just, it's a tremendous honor. So thank you and keep doing what you're doing, man. You're changing lives in your lane. Thank you. Um, I just want to say, like, there's, you may be like me. I didn't have a cheerleading squad when I first got sober. In fact, I don't even think one person believed in me, not even my own daughter, not my own parents. I had to look myself in the mirror and say, we're going to do this. Like, you can do this. I believe in you. And at first, I didn't really believe it. I didn't really know if. I didn't see this for myself. I, I I couldn't see myself a college student now. Like that was just not in my brain. Mm. But what I can tell you is if you just believe in yourself today and you believe that you can do whatever your heart desires, if you're trying to um, get off of drugs, get stop drinking alcohol, quitting smoking cigarettes, like, if you want that bad enough, you go in the mirror and say, I can do this. I believe in myself. I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. 
if you just keep repeating that to yourself over and over, speak life into yourself. Mm-hmm. I think it's CJ that says it. Um, if you see somebody on the side of the road, they're broke down, they're just sitting in the car, nobody's really going to help them. But if you see a person that's pushing their own car by themselves, mm-hmm. you're more likely to stop and help them. So when people okay. see that you're putting forth the action, you're believing in yourself, that's going to bring more people to believe in you too. And before you know it, people are going to be cheering you on and you're going to accomplish everything that your heart desires. Mm, That's good. That is good. You know, CJ is one of the reasons why this podcast exists because he said something that kind of sparked this podcast. Cause I was looking for, as you know, I know you've been through the training where uh, you're looking for that, uh, that uh, in my, the name of it is escaping me right now. That value proposition statement, you know, like what value are you bringing to corporate America? What value are, are you bringing to the culture? And I was thinking about, okay, what value can I bring? And then uh, CJ said something where he said, everybody got a million ideas, but no one knows how to execute all of them. Mm. And it, that kind of has to do with what you're saying as well, that, um, I was like, that's, that's why that, that birth becoming discipline because it's, uh, it's the podcast and it's the brand that's, that's designed to help people execute on, on, I almost wanted to call it the executioner, but then like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> my wife said, no, 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 that, that ain't gonna work. So, uh, uh, but, uh, what you call it, uh, it's, it's, it's basically designed to help people execute on all of those great ideas that are out there, you know, cause there's a lot of people who want, you know, there's a lot of people who quote unquote, just like you said, have faith, but they never execute on it. So yeah. uh, now before we go, Amanda, I don't know if she's still here. Cause I'm, I'm still uh, kind of playing around with the whole clubhouse thing, but Miss Karen, did you have any uh, questions or thoughts that you'd like to share? Oh, thank you. Um, Reverend Tony. Um, I have been listening from the beginning and let me tell you, um, you have blessed my heart. You have um, allowed me to, to to just experience everything that you you talked about. It's just it's been a truly blessing and humbling um, to just hear how you've been able to to turn your life around and and how you encourage people and how you do it from a place of humility and experience. You've lived it. You've walked it. And I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. Well, thank you. We want to thank Amanda Nelson for sharing her time with us, and we also want to thank Karen Felton for listening in for our first ever Clubhouse broadcast. Some quick housekeeping notes before we close this show out. The scriptures mentioned during the podcast were 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and James chapter 2. As a reminder to connect with Amanda or have her come out to speak with your audience, you can find her at patchedwangs.com. And that's Wangs with W-A-N-G-S. In closing, we are so thankful for this interview. Kim and I lost someone that we loved once to drug addiction. We are hoping that through people hearing Amanda's story, that some mom, that some dad, that some child will be spared the loss of their loved one. So for that reason alone, please help and tell Amanda's story.